Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. John Chubb, and I'm happy to be preaching with you today. Um, so we are on a week number five of Lent, and so next week is uh, Palm Sunday, and then after that is, is Easter. And so we're almost done with our Lenten activities, and so if you're fasting or avoiding certain items, you can get back to your routine very soon. I've talked a few times about trying to give up like extra internet use, app use, things like that. And so I haven't been on Instagram or TikTok in like weeks, and I'm just kind of curious how many notifications I have or if people think I'm avoiding them or something. So we shall see what happens uh, then. Um, So this will be our fifth week that we're talking about stones that keep us from God. So again, take some stones uh, to remind you of your message this week as we kind of continue to reflect on that. I put my stones in here on Sundays, but typically I have them in my pocket during the week. Um, And so last week we were in John's Gospel. We were looking at the story of the woman caught in adultery. Uh, Some of the religious leaders, they were trying to attract Jesus by asking him whether or not they should stone the woman. Um, As always, Jesus rises above their trap. He doesn't answer the way that they were hoping he would. Um, And we talked about our labeling of others, how we associate negative labels with certain people, and we want to throw our stones and we want to throw our rocks at them. And Jesus is right beside us saying, like, hey, if you haven't sinned, uh, go ahead and uh, throw, throw uh, throw that stone. But, you know, that's not true of any of us. Um, And so I hope that's something that we were able to reflect upon this past week. Um, And so we're going to look at another story with Jesus, another story from the New Testament. Um, This one's a parable. Uh, Jesus was often in the habit of teaching in parables uh, through telling these stories that had a moral lesson to them. Well, this is hopefully a familiar story to us. Uh, We're looking at Mark's take on the parable, but it also appears in Matthew 13 and Luke 8. Um, So if you're reading through the Gospels, you encounter this parable uh, numerous times. So as always, we'll pray and then we'll dive in. So please pray with me. Um, Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the truth of your word uh, throughout the ages and the truth of your word for us uh, now today. I pray that I would indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. If I say anything that's not of you, let that be forgotten. Uh, But we pray that you be brought glory and honor and that we learn to better be your disciples as a result. Amen. All right, so one of the common ways that Jesus taught, again, was through parables, and that's a very effective way to teach. Um, Jesus was in the regular habit of telling these stories that had an underlying uh, point or moral to them. Um, So uh, parables are kind of like modern-day political cartoons um, in the newspaper, where on the one hand, you have like this interesting little drawing, kind of maybe makes you chuckle a little bit, Uh, but on the other hand, you can take some time and pick apart what the cartoon is trying to say. Uh, You have to kind of slow down and kind of decipher all the elements to it. Um, This is a really uh, old political cartoon from Thomas Nast. I figured I'd pick something really old and something that would not be controversial. Uh, So this is uh, something from him. He was like 100 plus years ago. And so on the one hand, it's a funny picture of a bunch of guys standing around in a circle. uh, But on the other hand, it's speaking out against a certain political scandal of the day. Uh, parables, they're an effective way to teach because we remember stories uh, so much easier than all the details typically of like a lecture or a sermon. You know, I don't expect you to kind of recite a sermon that I give, give back to you, uh, but if I use a personal story or an illustration, um, those hopefully kind of have more of a lasting impact on you, and I just love when someone's like, oh yeah, I remember that story you told m- months ago, like, hey, those, those things kind of stick in our brains a little bit. 
Um, and we have several parables in the Bible. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, the parable of the wise or the foolish builders, the workers in the vineyard, etc. And hopefully, if the point is clear, uh, we can remember the kind of the point of the, of the story, even if maybe we forget some of the details of, of how we got to that main point. Um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, we might not remember everything that the Samaritan does or everything Jesus says, but hopefully we remember that of the characters in the story, he's the one that does what is good and righteous. He's the one that acts in love. He's the one that is, is a neighbor. Um, again, there's a lot of parables in the, in the Bible. Wikipedia says there's 37, but, you know, other people say there might be different numbers. So we'll say there's 37, but, you know, maybe if you count them, it'd be a little different. You're allowed to dis- disagree with Wikipedia. That is, that is okay. Um, the, the Bible has a lot of different genres to it, but a good chunk of the story, a good chunk of scripture is story. Again, we remember narratives much easier than we remember law code or genealogies or things like that. Um, even when I'm preaching, like, if I say, like, I'm about to tell you a story, um, I can feel the energy in the room start to change. I can sense, like, everyone's perking up a little bit, like, ooh, like, what's the story you're going to tell? Like, what are we going to learn in the story? I know that when I'm listening to someone, a sermon, a TED Talk, whatever it is, when they say, like, hey, I'm about to tell you a story, it definitely changes my interest. I'm like, ooh, I'm very excited about where this is going to go. What are we going to learn? What kind of, like, you know, what, what, what's, what's happening here? And so in Mark 4, Jesus gives this parable of the sower. And we can basically break it down into, into two parts. Um, there's, the, there's the first half where he's just telling the parable, telling the story to the crowds. Um, and then there's the second half of him explaining the parable uh, then to the disciples later in private. And as we read the story of Jesus, as we read the parables that he gives, he doesn't necessarily explain all of them. Um, sometimes he just tells a story and he leaves it at that. There's really no follow-through, no follow-up. Um, and even though sometimes when he does explain it, it's, it's usually just a really fairly short little thing. Like he just says like a sentence or two, um, commenting on what he just said. Um, normally there's not like a lengthy explanation like we see with this parable. Um, and I've always liked this parable. Like I grew up in the church, grew up reading my Bible, and I've always liked this one. Even as a little kid, I liked it. I, I think I liked it because there's just a lot of interesting imagery in it. You know, I didn't grow up on a farm, but it kind of just conjures up all kinds of imagery. You know, because you have this farmer, he's throwing seeds everywhere, and depending on where they land, uh, different res- it results in different, like, production. And so there's, you know, birds and rocks and thorns, etc. So all kinds of, again, all kinds of great imagery. Um, I often, like, when I, the, older, the, the older I get, the more I think about the Bible and how much of it's, like, just not kid-friendly. And yet this, this parable right here, man, this is, like, such a good kid's story. It's such, like, a perfect one uh, to tell to our kids. Um, and just artistically, like, I think we all kind of picture, like, ooh, what does this look like? And if you go to YouTube and type in this story, you'll see all kinds of little cartoon drawings and, like, cartoon things like, and, like that. So you can kind of have fun with it and, and see that this week if you really want to. But again, uh, so I, as a kid, I always liked this story. But as, as I get older, I also continue to like this story. I kind of can continue to work through the images. Um, uh, on one level, again, I just, I like those images. But on another, on another level, like, the older I get, the more I'm, like, trying to get into, like, growing my own food and, like, kind of just, you know, like, like we have land. Let's grow stuff in it. You know, we live in an area of the, of the world where you can pretty much grow stuff year-round, and so let's do that. So that's something I've been trying to do, um, just taking up an interest in gardening and growing food. And so I think this parable kind of appeals to me on, on that level as well. Like, oh, I can kind of relate to some of the stuff that Jesus is talking about. Um, and it's when I first landed in Phoenix, I worked at a farmer's market on, on Saturdays. I was helping to kind of like, just like sell food that was like literally grown like a couple miles away. Like that was exciting for me. Um, and Kara and I, we put a lot of sweat equity into our backyard with 
trying to grow stuff. We have these two garden boxes that we've had some success with. Uh, we've had, I often will talk about the four fruit trees we've put in our yard and two of them died and then we planted two more. It's like all this drama. Uh, but then last year, our Meyer lemon tree like finally really took off. We had like hundreds of Meyer lemons. It was great. If you were here on Christmas Day, I was giving them out as Christmas presents. Like, so again, like, I, like this, this, this parable, I think it speaks to me on a personal level because I understand like some of what Jesus is saying here. Um, really, like anyone that grows food, like anyone who does this, like knows that it takes a lot of work. You know, whether you're growing something in your backyard, whether you're just trying to keep like your little avocado pit alive, or whether you work on some like massively huge farm, like you know that like it takes work. You can't just like put some seeds in the ground and hope for the best. You got to put a lot of effort in, you know, like it, it takes work. Um, things like birds will come in and eat your seeds. Maybe your neighbor's cat will keep getting in your yard. And you're like, how do you do that? What do you do with that? Um, sometimes the dirt isn't the best. You know, there, there's rocks in the dirt or maybe the pH levels are off. And you got to like put the things in the dirt to figure that out. Like what, how do we fix this pH level? Um, you have to t- stay on top of things because even brand new fresh dirt weeds start to grow, grow there. You're like, where did these things come from? Like, what are they doing in here? You got to rip the weeds out. You got to rip the thorns out. You got to get in there and like just take care of this stuff because it'll cut down on your production. Uh, you have to make, th- make sure that like there's uh, enough water or maybe you're putting too much water in it. Like if you have houseplants, it's so easy to like overwater your houseplants. Um, obviously in Phoenix, we have to worry about our plants getting too much sun. Um, ironically, we have to kind of worry about, you know, the frost level, frost levels and things like that. So like even in Phoenix, like we have all these things that we have to deal with. Um, there's all kinds of things that go into a good harvest. It takes a lot of work. I have these grubs in my dirt, like all over my yard. I'm like, how do I get rid of these grubs? It's like one more thing, like, ugh, like I can relate to the, the, the frustrations of, of this parable. So it takes a lot of work. Um, so you, you, yes, you, um, you throw around a lot of seed, but you know that, you know, only some of this is going to produce vegetation. I put a hundred turnip seeds in, I ain't going to get a hundred turnips. I might get like, you know, 50 or 60 if I'm, if I'm really lucky. Um, but especially in the first century, like first century people, they knew this very well. Uh, for them, one bad harvest could mean starvation, could mean death. Um, they had to be out there chasing away the birds, ripping out the thorn bushes. You know, for them, it wasn't just a hobby. It was literally a matter of life and death. And so on, this, on the one hand, the story that Jesus speaks to the crowds, like it's pretty obvious for them. It was something they w- would have all related to. Uh, they were, knew how farming works. He's not telling them something they don't know. Uh, but on another level, they should know that he's telling them a story that has deeper meaning for them. Uh, he, they should be, be aware of the fact that he's not just saying the super obvious information, but he's telling them a story that has a point to it. Um, and they should pick up on this fact, especially because he bookends his parable. Like the story has these uh, bookends with a very similar expression. And so uh, if we slow down and look at how he starts it and how he ends it, um, he kind of has a similar thing going on. Because uh, in verse 3, when he begins to tell his parable, he, uh, we see that he says, listen. Like that's how the parable starts. Listen. Hey, listen up, because I'm about to tell you something. Like, hopefully the crowds slow down like, oh, listen, what's he going to say? Uh, there's a call to pay attention at, at the beginning. And then at the end of the parable, in verse 9, he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so at the end of the tale, after he gives the parable, Jesus raises the question to the crowds like, hey, I told you to listen. Were you actually paying attention to what I just said? Uh, Jesus, Jesus wants to make sure that people are actually paying attention to him. It's not just about having ears. It's about having ears that actually work. As we say to our toddlers, um, you got to put on your listening ears right now. You have ears, you got to put on your listening ears and hear what mom and dad are saying. 
Uh, the Message Bible translates this as, are you listening to this? Really listening? Do your ears understand what I have just said? It's not, again, it's not just about having ears, but it's about having ears that hear, so let them hear. Um, and so the concepts of listening and having ears to hear, like that's something we see all throughout the Gospels. Uh, there are several times where Jesus says something like this. He, he'll give a command and says, like, are you really listening to what I'm saying? And I think the reason that Jesus has to do this again and again and again is because the people aren't listening. People don't have their listening ears on. They're just using their, they have their ears, but they're not working. I think that many of the people that are following Jesus, they're getting excited about what he's doing or just misunderstanding him, mishearing him. Uh, they're not necessarily on the same page with him. Um, we definitely know this is true of the disciples. Like, we see this all the time in the Gospels where uh, the disciples will pull Jesus aside and say, like, hey, all this stuff you're doing, like, why are you saying all this stuff? Um, and so we see, that, uh, we see that often. And we see that here in this story as well. Uh, this happens here, too. In verse 10, they have to pull Jesus aside and say, like, you just told us this parable, you just told us this story, but, like, we weren't actually listening. We, we didn't have our listening ears on. Uh, we, our ears have not been hearing uh, what, you, what, what you were saying. And actually, we see some frustration with Jesus in this. And in uh, verse 13, he says, don't you understand this parable? How will you then understand any parable? If you do a Google image search for, like, incredulous Jesus, there's this picture that always comes up of Jesus being like, like, he's just, like, frustrated, like, why? Ah. So I, I love this picture. There's a bunch of memes with this. Look it up. It's, it's great. And so I, I love this picture of incredulous Jesus. Um, again, hopefully we know that this is a common theme in the, in, in the Gospels. Jesus getting kind of frustrated or annoyed uh, with his disciples, spending so much time with them, and yet they lack this basic understanding. Uh, he's irritated with them, like, again, we've spent all this time together, and let, yet you're still asking these basic questions. Your listening ears are not working. You don't have ears that hear. I mean, you know, I think, I think that Jesus, maybe with the crowds, like, he understands, like, they're not going to get it. Like, they're encountering me for a few minutes. They're going to miss out on some of this kind of stuff. But, you know, you're spending all this time with me. You've left everything to follow me. Like, how are you still not getting it? You know, their ears should be working differently. And so for, for the kind of remainder of, the, uh, of this section from verses 14 to 20, Jesus kind of just lays out what this parable means. He essentially retells the parable in this private setting, uh, but he also fills in the details for them. It's almost like he's grabbing them like by the head and like kind of like yelling at their ear, like, do you actually hear what I'm saying now? Kind of like pulling on their ears and like speaking directly into them. He's making uber certain like, you guys are finally gonna get this thing. And so in the parable, the farmer is the one sowing the word. Uh, the message of Jesus is being proclaimed. It's being spread out all over the place. Jesus is out in the crowds saying all this stuff. The disciples are being commissioned to go and speak as well. And so how do people respond to this? Like, as they hear the message of Jesus, what is their response like? Um, and the different types of soil represents the different types of responses. Uh, some people are like seed that falls onto the path, that falls onto the floor right here. Nothing's going to come of it. You know, it doesn't grow at all. It doesn't produce any fruit. They hear about Jesus, they hear his message, and literally nothing ever comes from it. Uh, some people are like the seeds that fall in the rocky soil or among the thorns. Uh, there's some initial growth, but then it dies off. Maybe they're on board with Jesus, they kind of like agree with some of this kind of stuff, they want to follow him, do what he says, uh, but then for them, life happens. There's some semblance of persecution, worry comes along, the desire to get rich, uh, the teachings of Jesus run up, run up against the happenings of life, and then fruit dies off. Uh, yet some people are like the seed that falls on the good soil, uh, the, the soil that's rich with nutrients, has the right pH levels. It's been taken care of. It's free of rocks and weeds and thorns. It gets the right amount of sun and water. 
that's the good soil. That's the soil that produces a huge crop. That's the seed that takes root and produces tons of food, tons of Meyer lemons. Uh, that's the soil you want to have, and that's the soil that you want to be. Um, the disciples, they weren't initially understanding this, but Jesus lays it all out for them uh, there. And so, you know, like, it's, like I said, like I'm kind of familiar with this parable. I've read it a bunch of times. I've always liked it growing up. Um, and as I was working on my message this week, kind of talking about stones, rocks, like I was kind of really struggling, like, you know, what do you do with this? Like, this, this parable is so straightforward. It's such a common thing. Again, it's like a pretty popular kid's story. Um, you know, Jesus, he's outlining different types of responses to his message. And he's basically saying, like, hey, like, here's the different results. Some people are going to completely ignore me. Some will follow for a while, but maybe for different reasons fade away. Others will follow and then produce an abundance of fruit. And so as I was kind of mulling this over, thinking, on, thinking about this, I realized, like, you know, I don't necessarily have some this, like, this amazing, like, deep hidden message here. I don't think there's, like, some secretive knowledge here or anything like that. I think this parable works so well because it's so straightforward. It's so basic, and I think, I think the straightforward, the basic message is this. Jesus is asking all of us here, like, what kind of soil are we, you know? What kind of soil are we as individuals? I think maybe it's a calling to ask, what kind of soil are we being as a church? Um, the message of Jesus, it's been around for 2,000 years. Like, the, the word's been putting out for 2,000 years now. And like a farmer sowing the seed, uh, the message of Jesus has been, like, spread around all over the place. And the fact that you're here with us this morning, the fact that you're here in this room, that you're listening online, maybe you're listening to us later, uh, that leads me to believe you're aware of Jesus. He's taking root in your life in some form or another. It's something that you care about. Um, and I think the, the question for the original disciples, as, as well as us as modern disciples, would be, like, well, what kind of soil are you being right now? I think that's the question that like, this parable calls us to be, is to kind of uh, chew on this, to like, kind of stew on this this week. What kind of soil are we being? The, the Bible describes humans as being made from the dirt. That's what we read about in Genesis. Like we, we come from dirt. And that, I think that fits so well with this parable here. Like metaphorically speaking, like what kind of dirt are you being? Like, like Genesis, we read we are dirt. Jesus is asking us here, like what kind of dirt are you being? Like what kind of, like, you know, and I think that leads to like, well, how do we know what kind of dirt we're being? How do we know what our soil is like? Well, you look at the fruit that you're producing. Because like, bad, a bad soil won't produce uh, good fruit. Ask any farmer that. Like, bad soil will not produce good fruit. And so, what is the evidence of Jesus in your life? Like, that's how you see what the good soil is like. What does that look like? How Christ-like am I being as I go about my individual life, my weeks and my months? Like, what does our church look like? Does our church look like Jesus? Uh, do people look at us and see a successful harvest, or do they, do they see a withered uh, what is the actual fruit of our church like? Uh, again, we speak about this parable like in individual forms, but I think there's a communal aspect to this as well. Like sometimes we get so hyper-focused in on like an individual reading, we have to also pause and say like, hey, I think there's a communal aspect to this as well. Uh, like what does it look like for our church? You know, if you've been here with us uh, as we began this series, I, I hope that you're mentally kind of like preparing, like, oh, we're talking about rocks, like where are we going with this? I hope you're like kind of wondering, okay, these stones that, he keeps talking about, like, what are these stones going to represent for us this week? And so, again, this, for this week, the stones, it's very straightforward. Uh, these stones represent the question of, what kind of soil am I? Like, what kind of soil am I? Am I good or healthy soil, or is it a uh, soil that's filled with rocks and thorns? I was thinking about passing out, like, like uh, nails this week to, like, oh, am I, am I thorny soil? But I was like, I don't know if people would like putting, like, 
you know, nails in your pocket. You probably would remember the sermon if, if I made you do that. But, you know, what kind of soil am I being? Is it a soil well-watered, getting the right amount of sun, or is it depleted of nutrients and contaminated and causing uh, the plants not to grow right? Uh, Jesus calls all of us here as individuals and as a church to produce fruit. Uh, that means following him, uh, living out what he asks. That means being open and honest with our stories, telling others about him, allowing God to work in your life, to work in our church, to produce uh, more and more uh, fruit. Uh, that means, again, our church being a collective voice of being salt and light in our world. And so this week, these stones that we're carrying around with us, just a, a reminder of this message and a reminder of this parable, really simple, really straightforward. God, what kind of soil am I being? Like, where are the rocks in my life that I need to remove? Where are those thorns in my life that I need to remove? What are those things, that, what are those, things those obstacles in my life, help me to get rid of them? What kind of rocks and thorns do I have that I need to get rid of? What cynicism is present maybe just with other people, with other believers? What rocks are intermixed with my faith that I need to let go of? What are those sins, what are those characteristics, those things that prevent me from having a good crop? Uh, what kind of life is Christ calling me to? Who are the people he's calling me to speak to, uh, to minister to, to love? And where am I not doing that? Where is my soil rocky? Where is my soil thorny and preventing growth? You know, what rocks and thorns exist within our own church that we need to get rid of so that good soil can take its place? Uh, reread the story from Mark this week. Kind of reflect upon it. Just reread it, reread it through a few times and say, like, God, what kind of soil am I? Where are the rocks? Where are the, uh, where are the uh, thorns? What kind of soil am I? What kind of soil is our church? And so in humility, we can ask him as the good farmer that he is with, us, with, with him helping to make our soil better, providing uh, that nutrients, that sunlight, that warmth, that pH, so that we can be a, a good soil that produces a crop of 10 and 30 and 100-fold. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.